You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the people who are over our United States of America, our legislators, our president, would possess the same wisdom endowed by their God, their creator, you know, to rule over God's people wisely and justly and righteously? And that's, I believe, the reason why we are encouraged and exhorted in the word to pray for those who are over us. Do you ever find yourself daydreaming about what your life would be like under different circumstances? Maybe if you had studied a different subject, or if you hadn't gone to school at all, you'd find yourself living a different life. It's easy to dream about what if and never do anything about it in real life. You can read about the wonderful kingdom of Solomon and wonder what if you had lived then. But by praying for your leaders and people of influence over you, you can experience a different life right now. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Kings chapter 4 as he continues his message, Two Kingdoms. Verse uh, 22, let's go ahead and read that. Now Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour and 60 cores of meal. So actually these cores is a reference to bushels. So actually 30 measures of fine uh, flour, a measure was uh, the equivalent of 10 bushels, so 300 bushels a day. Uh, 60 measures of meal, so that would entail 600 uh, bushels. In verse 23, 10 fatted oxen, 20 oxen from the pastures. Now remember, this is just in one day's provision uh, for uh, Solomon's household. 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fatted fowl. So you have 10 fat oxen, prime beef, 20 oxen out of the positive commercial grade, and then you have the sheep, the deer, the fowls, etc. So quite a large amount of provision that was needed daily to provide for uh, Solomon's household. Now, beginning in verse 29, having given us, by summary, of the prosperity of Solomon and his kingdom, the author returns to the subject of the king's wisdom. So let's go ahead and read that. And the wisdom 
he sets forth in these verses goes far beyond the judicial and administrative skills already mentioned. So let's read verses 29 through 31. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart, like the sand on the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men. And then we have the mention of these men. Particularly, I want to emphasize Ethan, the Ezraite, who, by the way, just a little bit of trivia concerning this man, he was the writer and the recorder of the 89th Psalm. And his fellow Ethan was one of the singers that was a part of David's administration. He was one of the singers that sang that were a part of uh, the worship of uh, God during the days of David when he reigned as king. And obviously this fellow Ethan was known for his uh, wisdom. And then we have mention of the other men there in the verse 31. Uh, Heman, Charles Coy, and Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame was in all of the surrounding uh, nations. So here it seems as if the writer attributes wisdom to Solomon. It's as if he is saying all true wisdom is measured against Solomon's capacities. And so there was no man after Solomon, right up into the very present time, that was more wiser than Solomon was. Now this was a blessing and an anointing that God had placed upon uh, Solomon. The equivalent of that, I would just think about some of the wisest men that we know throughout history. Don't hold a candle to uh, Solomon. And again, it's as if he is saying all true wisdom is measured against Solomon's capacity. And yes, wisdom can be defined by one's skills in the accomplishments of business affairs and the handling of people. And yes, Solomon did excel in those areas. But it was so much more than that. So let me raise the question. Let me ask you the question. How would you respond to it? What is true wisdom? And how was it revealed in Solomon, through Solomon and his administration? This constitutes true wisdom. True wisdom is a proper discernment between good and uh, evil, between virtue and vice, duty and self-indulgence. Listen, gang, that's wisdom. And it's not wisdom that you gain through you know, attending some university or get from uh, some textbook that you've read. This is something that is endowed to us in our relationship and our walk with God. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. And by the way, so this is attainable for all of us. That is, as we walk with God, as we seek Him. In the 111th Psalm, in verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord, or the reverence of the Lord, in our relationship with Him, honoring Him, in our respect towards the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments, His praise endures forever. So that's the uh, true wisdom. And that's where true wisdom is uh, found. But then also notice, let's go back to our text there in verse 29. We are told Solomon is said to also have possessed understanding as well. Now what does that constitute? Well, let me give you a working definition for understanding. That would be the ability to discern intelligently the difference between truth and 
an error. And how important is that in the days in which we live, where there are so many voices out there that are telling us this is true or that is false. So it's very important to have that, be, uh, that ability to be able to discern between what is true and what is uh, false. What is reality and what is a sham? Between the deceptive attraction of a moment and the long-range values that govern a successful uh, life. Uh, you know, an example of this would be, you know, we have an opportunity to sin. You know, some kind of a, an opportunity uh, arises where we're tempted uh, to sin comes before us. Well, true understanding is revealed in that that person who is being influenced to do the wrong thing pauses and considers its consequences. We don't run headlong into a sin. That's true understanding. And by the way, that's something that we only can acquire through the study and the application of God's uh, word. You know, our body appetites are, are just craving to fulfill the desires and the lusts of our, our flesh. But if we have understanding, we'll pause to consider its consequences. So we won't run headlong into sin when the opportunity provides uh, that for us. That is understanding. But also notice in verse 29, we are told concerning Solomon that he possessed largeness of uh, heart. That is a large breadth of interest. Let's go on now in our text. Let's read uh, the rest of chapter 4, verse 32. He spoke 3,000 proverbs. We know that he was the writer of the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. And his songs were 1,005. So he actually composed 1,005 uh, songs. Also, he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish. And men of all nations, from all the kings of the earth, who had heard of his wisdom, came to hear the wisdom of uh, Solomon. And so he was a wise counselor. He was, according to our text, writer of songs. He lectured on the subjects of botany and zoology. His wisdom, notice there in verse 31, and also in verse 34, was surpassed all the other wise men, of his day, that would include heads of state, would come to draw from his wisdom, that is to seek his counsel. Now, as we review these things, it has to cross our minds, man, I would have loved to live in those days, in that kingdom, led by such a man as Solomon. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the people who are over our United States of America, our legislators, our president, would possess the same wisdom endowed by their God, their creator, you know, to rule over God's people wisely and justly and righteously. And that's, I believe, the reason why we are encouraged and exhorted in the word to pray for those who are over us. But wouldn't it be wonderful? Oh, man to have someone like Solomon ruling over us right here in the United States of America. It was a time of security back then in Solomon's kingdom. It was a time of safety. It was a time of peace, prosperity, and justice. Well, here's the good news. 
almost all biblical commentators suggest that Solomon's kingdom is a type or a foreshadow of the kingdom Christ will establish upon the earth at his second coming. And thus we have the title of this message, The Two Kingdoms. Now here's just some of the parallels between Solomon's kingdom and our Lord's kingdom, which is to come. First of all, Solomon's reign was characterized by wisdom, as I've just suggested. We've just gone through all of the the ways in which Solomon exercised that wisdom that had been given to him by God. Now, as it relates to Christ's kingdom, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1 and verse 24, there we are told that Jesus is the wisdom of God. You see, in Christ are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, according to the book of Colossians in chapter 2 and verse 3. So Jesus is the very embodiment of an expression of all wisdom, all of the wisdom that is in God. And the highest knowledge which any man can possess is to be found in Christ. So if you've made a decision for Christ, and if you haven't made a decision for Christ, well, listen, there's still an opportunity to do so. And in doing so, you will exercise true wisdom. Because once again, the highest knowledge which any man can possess, is to be found in Christ. And the highest act of God's wisdom is the cross upon which Jesus died, which makes it possible for us to be able to secure that wisdom. You see, it was there at the cross that God in his wisdom, at one and the same time, punished sin, satisfied God's justice, and provided atonement for guilty sinners. So the first thing that characterized Solomon's kingdom was wisdom. And we will discover that same wisdom during the time when Christ comes again and establishes his kingdom and rule upon the earth. As Solomon's kingdom was one of justice, peace, and joy, so Christ's kingdom is as well. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Romans, in chapter 14, in verse 17, There we are told that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And just a side note about this peace that Solomon enjoyed. It was made possible by David, his predecessor, the man of war. All of the battles that David was engaged in made it possible for Solomon to have a kingdom of peace. Now, there is a spiritual application here. Don't think that God forgives sin, making peace with man because he's sentimental. A battle has been fought, and a great sacrifice has been made. Blood has been shed that we might have the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus waged that battle. He shed his own blood. Jesus made peace by the blood of his cross. And it is only through his blood that we can enter and experience this uh, peace. Another parallel, as Solomon ruled over other nations, so Jesus shall have the heathen for his inheritance, or the unbeliever for his inheritance. In the book of Psalms, in chapter 2, in verse 8, the father is speaking to the son says, ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your uh, possession. 
You know, the Bible tells us when Jesus comes back again that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. Believer and unbeliever alike. Let me share another parallel with you. When Jesus comes and establishes his reign over the earth, there is going to be plenty, even as it was during the time of Solomon's reign upon the throne. The people that he was over did not go without anything. Not one person will go to bed hungry in that day when Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom upon the earth. In the book of Isaiah, for example, in chapter 2, in verse 4, there we are told in that day they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. I would just think about this. Let's take our military budgets. We spend, uh, nations across the entire world spend trillions of dollars annually. Let's take that money and divert it to agricultural development. And if we would, there wouldn't be anything lacking to feed our people today. No one would go hungry. Let me give you another cross-reference. In the book of Isaiah, in that same book of the Bible, in chapter 55, in verse 1, there we are exhorted, everyone who thirsts. And again, I believe that this is a reference to that day when Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. In other words, we will receive all that we need without money. Everyone will be able to take what they need freely. And in that day, when Jesus reigns, there will be no exploitation of a man. Like Solomon's kingdom, notice there in verse 24. Go back to chapter 4 just for a moment. In verse 24, Notice what it says there. Over all the kings of this side of the river, and he had peace on every side all around him. So there will be peace on all sides when Jesus comes back to rule and reign again. In that day, we'll be unafraid. You know, all of the things that are going on uh, in the world today, particularly in this conflict between Ukraine and Russia, you know, there, there's the possibility that we're going to still be drawn into that war, which would constitute World War uh, III. And we're fearful about that. We don't know how this whole thing is going to play out. But listen, in that day, we won't have to be afraid. There's going to be a perfect peace because the Prince of Peace is going to come and establish his kingdom upon the earth. And in that day, we will dwell safely, even as in the days of Solomon's rule, the nation of Israel dwelt safely. Let me ask you this question. How safe do you feel today? I mean, right here in New York City. I mean, every day it seems like, you know, something happened. I mean, just, when was it? Yesterday. At MoMA, right, at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, uh, two people were stabbed. You know, a guy who got into some kind of a rift with people behind the counter, jumped over the counter and stabbed both of them. Uh, two homeless men on the street were, were murdered while they slept in their sleeping bags. You know, this is a regular occurrence now, every day. Let me ask you this question. How safe do you feel right uh, now? Right here in our own backyard, right here in the United States of America. Listen, when Jesus reigns, we can let our children, our grandchildren, play in the streets, and we won't have to worry. 
what a day that's going to be. Really something to look forward to. You know, in the book of Philippians, in chapter 4, in verse 19, there we are reminded by Paul, he said, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Listen, in that day when Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom, there's not going to be any more sickness. There's not going to be any sorrow. This is something that we can't even relate to. And that's why we cry out, Lord, come quickly. And I also believe that's the very reason why that we were encouraged uh, to pray, thy kingdom come. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 7, in verse 17, depicting that reign of Christ in the last days, the Bible tells us that the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, we look forward to that day. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Okay, so as we close out, let's now go back to Solomon. Let's learn the lessons that are contained uh, for us here, not only in these chapters that we've already gone through, completing chapter 4, but as we continue to move through 1 Kings, there are so many lessons for us to learn. The elements with which Solomon began his reign would have served him well all through his life and his reign. They were good ingredients with which to begin and with which to end. But Solomon, however, as we will discover as we continue to move through 1 Kings, deviated from them and brought much pain and misery upon his kingdom. You know, the many wives that he had taken had actually turned his heart from God. And thus he was judged. The nation of Israel was judged because of this. It brought much pain and misery upon not only Solomon, but also his kingdom. And so we can learn from him, from his successes as well as his mistakes. We can make sure that these elements with which he began are in place in our lives. And what were those elements? What were those ingredients? Deep humility. It was revealed in what he asked God for in ruling his people. He asked for wisdom, right? So his deep humility. He wasn't a hearty individual. Also a hearty dependence upon God. He looked to God in every situation. And he was also a man of prayer. So those were the ingredients. Let me go over them once again. Deep humility and a hearty dependence upon God and always praying. And that they continue to be in place in our lives. And in so doing, we will bring the blessing of God upon our lives and upon the lives of those around us. In my Father's house There's a place for me in my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my You've been listening to In My Father's House with Pastor Mike Finizio. Pastor Mike has been making his way through the book of 1 Kings, and we've been talking about the building of the temple. The long, detailed descriptions can get overwhelming, but it has a lot to do with us today. If you think about it, 
Back then, the temple was where God's spirit rested, but now his spirit rests inside of each one of us. So when you see a description of the hundreds of decorative pomegranates, think about how your temple is decorated. Is it overflowing with the fruits of the spirit? Pastor Mike comes to us from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Manhattan, and he would love to see you there in person. It's not hard to find. There is easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th in Midtown Manhattan. You can find service times on our website, harvestnyc.org. Once again, that website is harvestnyc.org. If you can't make it in person, you can always catch up with us online as we live stream our services on Sundays and Thursdays. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram as well. Speaking of connecting, are you looking for something to help you connect in your daily devotional time with God? Subscribe to our podcast. It's sure to spark some great discussions with the Lord. Well, we're so glad that you decided to spend your time here with us today. But all good things must come to an end, and we're running out of time. We'll be back, though. Come meet us here again in my Father's house. <laughs>